You saying we should be recording now? Yeah, let's hit that record. The big red button has been pressed. I see little waves happening on my tracks. Yay. Do I have waves? Oh, the waves, they have come. Disgusting. Yes. <laughs> Gotta get that clean. Apologies. <laughs> God, there's people swimming in this thing, man. <laughs> God. Who approved this? This is worse than Caddyshack. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we're the Rewinders Podcast. Podcast and rewinds so you don't have to. Oh. Or rewinding movies from our childhood to see if they stand up. <laughs> and this time, we podcast so you didn't have to. The movie Stay Tuned from 1992. With John Ritter. And Eugene Levy. Pew, pew, pew. And the, the, the blonde dude. What's the blonde dude's name? Bobo Daniel Day-Lewis? What? Jeffrey Jones? Jeffrey Jones. I had to look him up. Apparently, he was a voice in Invader Zim, which was freaking cool to see. See, I, I watched this, and then Tubi took me down a, a, a path of Jeffrey Jones movies. I guess all his movies ended up on Tubi, because then I watched Transylvania 6 5000, <laughs> and it was a bad day. Oh, was it? It was a very bad day. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> good thing I didn't actually pull the trigger on that one, because I saw it, and I'm like, you know what? This looks, mm-hmm. this looks interesting. It was a movie to keep on in the background. Other than that, I can't say much. I definitely forgot that we were recording today and got home at like 11 o'clock last night from being out and doing things. And and I'm like, uh, I got a movie I got to watch. And then we watched this movie and I'm like, you know what? I could stay up. But it was after midnight and I was tired. Yeah, you, you don't want to watch uh, Transylvania 6 5000 after midnight. Ooh. So now, you patently love bad horror movies. No. Where did that one miss the mark? I don't know. Okay, so it's got Jeff Goldblum as oh, well, no. so I should love the damn movie. It, had, it has Ed Begley Jr. I love Ed Begley Jr., <laughs> so you get him and and Goldblum together, and, and you know. It's, it's just trash. Acting was terrible. Script was terrible. The premise was mediocre at best, and just everything just felt so stupid and cheesy. You can tell it's a low-budget movie, but damn, just, just damn. I, I don't even know where to begin. It's it's not good. It's well, not good thing we're not talking about that movie. No, but now I'm now I'm worried that there's like this Jeffrey Jones like slide and like we should we could we could very easily Stay off the Jeffrey Jones. We could slide. very easily <laughs> not go on. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason he probably won't be back for uh, Beetlejuice too. But we'll we'll not bring all that up. It's Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, good sir. I'm excited. It's not Beetlejuice too. Okay, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. But we could go on a Jeffrey Jones career movie timeline and, and rank from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows because it feels like there's a lot of content to sift. No. Through. <laughs> No. Fine, Joe. I'm starting my own podcast. Please. I'm going to start Jeffrey Jones all the way. It's just, <laughs> it starts with like Ferris Bueller or something up on top, Beetlejuice, and works its way down to Transylvania. That's where I know this guy from. All those other movies. Yeah, he's Lydia Dietz's dad uh, in Ferris Bueller. He's the the principal. Yeah. He's, he's been in a lot of stuff, but yeah, there's, there's reasons he hasn't been in much in a long time. I believe he's associated with the college in Appleton. Really? Like he's a graduate from there or something? Hmm. Does anyone have a history with this film, or did we just take it on because 
someone asked us to. I never even heard of it. There is one scene in here that I have a vivid memory of from when I was young, and it is the knockoff Wayne's World skit. Exactly. Same. And I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember watching it and being like, what is this from? Yes, I... The uh, Red Hot Poker camera in the uh-huh. eye trick, whatever, yep. has stuck with me since whenever I watched it the first time. We, uh, I remember watching it uh, younger, laughing a whole bunch about like just stupid stuff, but I didn't remember a lot of the in-between stuff, and I was thinking as an adult that I didn't remember that in-between stuff just because it was so mid that I wouldn't have a chance to remember it. I just, there's no reason to remember it, and I was right, but going back and watching it now... I just realized that the stuff that was funny was also not funny. <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself. Sorry. That's my, my history is I, I I remember watching it and thinking it was funny, but not remembering why I thought it was funny. Apart from the red, red hot camera, red hot poker camera. I think the only thing I've ever known about this movie is famously that it has the Chuck Jones animated segment. That's it. <laughs> so what going through and watching this movie, I, I have this, like, tiny little itching memory in the back of my mind that I've seen this film It's in, in its entirety, but I have no front-of-the-memory recollection of this movie in its entirety. It's so strange. Yeah. It's the same with me. The whole first quarter or third of the movie, I just was assuming I never saw it before. And then when they got to the northern overexposure section, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. And then everything from that point on was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. I remember this. I remember that. This was weird. My brain just gave up on that first quarter of the film because that's where all the build-up plot happens you need to know that in order to know why they're in the tv uh, so if (laughs) you haven't seen the film stay tuned from 1992 a quick summation of it is there's a horrible husband with boring kids and uh this husband is going through apparently a midlife crisis and it is showing itself by he cannot do anything except watch tv he is totally incapable of any other activity in his life or care for his beautiful wife and then the apparently some demon or devil comes up and uh suckers him into a fancy TV get-up with a satellite dish that he'll get 666 channels that they can't get anywhere else and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, his wife almost leaves him. They get sucked into the devil's version of all these things on TV, and they have to survive 24 hours to redeem, be redeemed, and not lose their soul to hell, apparently. Yeah. And just to clarify, because I saw so many misleading synopsises of the movie that tried to say that Jeffrey Jones was the devil or he sells his soul to the devil. Jeffrey Jones' character Spike is just an emissary of Satan. So you never actually see Satan in the movie. They just refer yeah, to him constantly. You never, you never see Satan. Yep, they they just reference reference him in like the big guy. I'm assuming he's just so bored that he has all these emissaries making him a TV show that he can constantly watch, and that's the only thing he cares about. I don't know. So in that vein, okay. So you go to, let's say you go to the Verizon store and you sign up for a, uh, a cell phone contract and you sign away. Do you sign your your uh, cell phone rights away for the next two years to Dan the Verizon clerk, or do you sell your soul away to 
The devil. Hmm. <laughs> the devil, yes. So you, you, you can still sign your soul away if you're not signing it directly to the devil. That's true. The devil's busy. That's true. The devil's busy. There's shit a lot do. of souls to sign. <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the chase. What did you guys like about this film? The attempt. <laughs> the attempt. <laughs> The whole, the the whole thing, the whole thing feels like I don't know, like a Simpsons written episode or like Treehouse of Horror. Yes, yes, it feels like there's so many things that could have worked and should have worked, but for some damn reason they didn't, and that's I, I love it. I hope you're using the word writing lightly. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can tell there's there okay there's a lot of like good effort and thought that went into some of this stuff and there's a lot of things that I was really excited and thought like that's funny I'm going to laugh and then I didn't. There's a lot I feel like this movie was written on the back of a napkin in a restaurant one afternoon and they didn't go back and do any rewrites but some <laughs> people had some punch-ups on the day of uh recording and uh they they just happened to have a couple of gems that were really funny and what they really did was just have a whole lot of puns for shows did this came out after uhf right yes yes there's a ton of tv trope details in this film yeah if you're if you are like actively looking for little little details or like references to other tv shows yes and that's what i love there's so many little things i say if you're looking for the humor, the devil is in the details. Oh, <laughs> oh you. That dad joke is better than the film. <laughs> okay, there was one part that I did actually gut laugh about, and it's the only part that I actually had an outward audible laugh to, and that was the Three's Company bit because, holy shit, it was perfect. I didn't expect that. It's a meta movie. That's all it is. It is a meta movie, and it, it is definitely a product of its time because there's a lot of shows that, like, even growing up in the era this came out in, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. What the hell is that? I've never heard of that before. There's a constant mix of that. So unless you really were watching TV or really know about the shows of this time frame, that's that. Oh yeah, then this yeah, this movie is gonna be confusing as all hell. Yeah, like who like who remembers Northern Exposure? Like that's gonna be a bit of a stretch for I do, I do too, but that's gonna be a bit of a stretch for like people <laughs> watching it now. And okay, but we're supposed to be talking about things we liked. <laughs> okay liked yeah it was hold on to that if this when we get to the does this movie hold up section i love john ritter i love john ritter and everything he's in the dude was a comic genius in terms of everything he was in he could make almost anything watchable i i miss him dearly he uh did a great job of making you hate him the animated scene i could watch oh for sure your tv for sure of that for sure there's a reason why that's the most famous and remembered part of the movie like it's just that well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think people might even take that out of the movie and be like, "This is by itself." I don't remember what it's from. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh no, I've seen because it's so out of place. I've seen Reddit but, threads and stuff like that where people are like, "What movie is this from?" And it goes down the rabbit hole. Yeah. for sure, for sure. But along the same lines, I think what I like about this movie is just how it, it, there's a lot of things that look really good in it. There's you know the animated sequence is gorgeous. Dwayne's World, the makeup on everybody, Dwayne and whatever like the rotting fresh looked great yeah so uh, there's a lot of really cool looking things their cg was good for the time too yes 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 like when people shattered and and turned into pieces and things like that like it it looked great and eugene levy i'm gonna give a a huge huge call out to eugene levy because yet again another movie he makes watchable because he's funny as hell and i love him in this and when you mentioned the places that you laughed i i wrote down the two because they stood out i 
had a stifled laugh at the different strokes just because of how dark it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. was yeah. so that was that made me laugh so hard. Katie was watching it with me and she she's just like, did they really just and I'm like, they sure did. Yeah, that one went far. And I was like, hey, 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 hey. Um, because sometimes I get sick like that. And the other one that I had a stifled laugh at because I enjoyed it was in the nightclub after the mobster says he's going to take over start shooting everyone stands up from the opposite side with a tommy gun and fires back i thought that was pretty funny yeah, that's that's the like, little like that, that got an audible that's laugh the little the little details that i was talking about yep. there were a couple of lines that really that gave me a, a chuckle roy saying i didn't know this was part of the deal i thought i was buying a tv was one yep. <laughs> or uh during the the final one of the final scenes in the french revolution episode roy you have boobs ah they're not mine <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I did laugh at the soldiers comment too i would have bought you chocolates like just it's <laughs> a good throwaway line i had to go back and watch different strokes the, the segment again just to laugh and that's what i'm talking about devils on details like there are a lot of really good throwaway jokes that they uh just get trampled by the rest of the movie and the uh, bravado they try to bring to the movie that where the comedy actually is is in those online underlying things that you just don't get a chance to notice it is I, like i want more rick and morty interdimensional cable or you know uhf commercials i want more of that and there's there's a fair amount in here but it's like there's not a balance between dark or too dark or or you know too absurd or completely surreal it's, it's so wildly different between each individual segment that the jokes either are flat and dull as hell because it's like the lowest common denominator com- comedy like they just reach for the laughs in some of the stuff but then there's some that unexpectedly hit like different strokes <laughs> what i do like about this movie is john ritter experiences character growth or i mean i guess is it character shrinking because he goes back to the man that he first she first met when they got married <laughs> that's tough is that more of a renewal than it is a a shrinkage it was cold <laughs> yeah, we have to ask george costanza for this one. Oh man i also really enjoyed seeing the captain being the wrestling commentator what the reason why he stood out to me is be not because of his time being an actual wrestler but his time in the wwf when he was a manager plus he also was mario in the super mario brothers tv oh, show. oh sure okay oh the animated, not animated TV show, yeah. Yeah, do the Mario, yep. that guy. Yep. Swing your arm from side to side. Oh, God. Oh, that can't hold up. <laughs> it can. <laughs> yeah, Um. I'm pretty sure we covered everything that I can think of. <laughs> How do you guys feel about that TV? All the TVs. That is a blast from the past. It is a blast like, from the past, yeah. Seeing sure. what they think is like in advanced TV back then, it's like so much not TV. I know. It's it's not the TV itself that's advanced. It's all the shit that you can bolt onto it. <laughs> like if you, right. If you can make it this wild thing. 44 inch and 900 lines of resolution, but I bet it's still interlaced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got interlaced back then, man. Everything's made for it. I don't know. Progress. Progressive TVs didn't show up till the 90s. This was 92. Late 90s. And he had to deal with the devil, so he could have Satan's bargain. You get any, you get the first P's. It's half HD. <laughs> 480p. Oh yeah. Nerd talk. <laughs> anyway. All right, so I, I know we've been struggling to avoid it. What? Not so great about this it's film. It's terribly disjointed. Yes. 
Mm. Also, the jokes kind of feel like, instead of it being a cohesive structure, like we're talking like, you know, if a team that would like write Treehouse of Horror would come up with, where it's actually funny and it's well thought out, well planned out. This felt like just maybe like a whole group of people pitching funny ideas for, for fake TV shows. Yeah, for fake TV shows. Yep. And that's, that's, that's the biggest thing is everything in this movie would probably be funny to different people. But none of it really sticks or lands because it's probably sp- so specifically funny to one set of people. I, I, I don't even know where to start with this. It just doesn't feel funny. Like most of the movie didn't land anything that it was trying to do. I didn't even smirk from half the stuff that came up. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I watch UHF and I'm like busting at the side where I, I watch basketball and like roadkill caught on tape and things like that. It's like when you do it, you do it right. Yeah. I'm going to laugh my ass off. They've got the variety of stuff that they're looking for in v- UHF, but also you have a overlying like actual story that's holding the things together it almost feels like it, that the tv is actually like more of a background character in the movie yeah mm. and the movie is happening in front of you this they tried to make the tv show the main character and they had side characters running through each of the uh things they tried to make main characters by giving them all that tv time at the start and it took him way too long to realize that he watches a lot of tv so that he could uh he should know all the tropes already that's a very valid point the effort is commendable but the execution just didn't make it Mm -hmm. as you were saying earlier and agreed there's no cohesive real i mean yes the story is they have to survive for 24 hours which actually equates out to feels like 20 minutes of actual time which they rocket through that 24 hours yeah it honestly felt like this movie needed to be longer so they could draw out the different scenes because the the time or make the, the time, time jumps not twenty four hours yeah. leave it twenty four hours but like the time jumps they spent four hours in the game show section right that's what I'm saying yeah. like it doesn't need to be twenty four hours you set the arbitrary time make it shorter. It can still be just as deadly in six hours. Six hours, six minutes, six seconds. You spend a half hour in the game show. You spend three hours in Northern Exposure. All you have to do is figure out how much time you you need to play with, and then make that the time. Yeah. Or get rid of that element and have it based off of who's watching. I like so that. this is Hell Cable. Are the people that are uh, not sucked in yet going to be supplying the ratings? Are demons supplying the ratings? Someone's su- watching this, other than just using it as a mechanic. And maybe that then determines, you know, oh, you're not pulling in. Your your meter is not filling up. That means we take your soul, you know, something like that, where it's definitely movable and you can use the story to adjust that. Just don't make it a hard limit 24 hours and try to fit it into an hour and a half hour 45 film. I don't even how long is how long was that movie? It was like an hour and 20. I don't know. I just guessed. And I mean, the whole plot centers around the fact that if it is survived 24 hours, but they can lose track of them, they can legitimately lose track of them, even in the control room. Why the hell don't they just like find a closet, lock themselves in it and call it a day? But no, they got to go out in public and sit down at a table and, and still get recognized by people and things like that. Just go hide. An hour and 28 minutes. I mean, at a certain point, they didn't know that they could actually get out of it because yeah. John Ritter didn't actually read the contract that he signed. But still, uh, somebody in all the time that this is, for all of eternity, I'm assuming that this has been happening, nobody thought to do that. I mean, I guess not everybody has that information. You're right. You're Murray right. thought to bring in his remote control and uh, set himself up as a mob boss with a bunch of people with Tommy guns around so that way True. he 
can't die. Let's talk about Murray for a second. How long was he in the TV show? Did he just decide to stay there, right? After Godzilla smashed his wife? I mean, I that's, so. that's a coping mechanism. <laughs> like, you've you've watched your wife die. Yeah, that first part doesn't even make sense to me. So, the start of the movie. That popcorn bowl was too they big. They get the knock. Uh, Jeffrey's come. Oh, that popcorn was so good. <laughs> I got so hungry watching this movie, man. So Murray goes, answers the door. Guy makes some proposition. Murray stops existing for that part of the movie. Wife is like, Murray, where are you? Goes outside, screams to the most the yeah. most terrible credits I've seen in a, in a uh, movie. That, the, the music was a banger, though. I saw that credit. I was like, if it was in the 80s. I wrote down 80s. And let's say 82 to 85. I would have lo- I would have been like, yeah, this is going to be great. I wrote down but these are some very the 90s? 80s titles and then I remembered this is a 90s movie. Yeah, I uh yeah. I wrote down I hated the music. I, I legitimately hated the music to this movie. And I actually searched for who did the music just so I could find a face to hate. The soundtrack for this movie has a bunch of interesting people. Salt and Pepper, Black Sheep, uh Otto and Cherokee, X-Clan, the Ultramagnetic MCs, Doctor Ice, Cool Mo D, and Bruce Brighton, uh, Broughton. Yeah, should we uh, should we talk about the Salt and Pepper segment? That that threw me. That <laughs> yeah, scene, me that that whole skit, like I I they it feels like they were filmed. They filmed some other skit in there, but they it didn't like test well. And they didn't have enough time to do anything else, so they just got Salt and Pepper to make a, mu- a a music video and threw the scene into the music video. That's the second thought. Or almost like they're like, "Hey, we got Salt and Pepper. What can we do with them? Well, they make music. Let's do music video. That's a TV show." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was supposed to be a knockoff of MTV. It was HTV. Yeah, yeah, Hell TV. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, we got access to Salt and Pepper. Do you want to use them for your movie? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's let's think of something. It's just out of all of the scenes that are in this movie, that whole music video scene seemed the least connected to the movie. And speaking of circles, they set up the whole uh, he knows how to fence, and the payout is so late and so little in the movie. Yeah, he opens the fence studio. Like, well, no, I'm just it's the um that swashbuckling yeah. slash uh, medieval thing where he sword fights. It's not it's even. Like, it's not even thirty seconds long. I know. It just was like the payout's not great there. And then we're supposed to think he's making tons of money in a big city running a fencing yeah. club well, for kids. He's not paying the rent with I know, that. the second that that popped up, I'm like, he is still not making the money for this. His wife <laughs> is the is the breadwinner for the family. That's true. That was a flat joke that just never went anywhere that they tried to make. Yeah. That she was the breadwinner and he was pissed off about it, but he always said that he wasn't. Although... Maybe he wasn't. She just thought it was because you know they never actually follow up with what that actually was all about. Yeah, it's just they it's just, just made lazy. a couple of jokes during the game show. It's just a lazy payoff. It like, it's just something to argue about, so that way they can show that there's real dis uh, uh, har- disharmony in this relationship. Yeah, it's, it's just added in there for a little extra seasoning. But yeah, it is it's unfortunate. It is a lazy setup and a lazy payoff. We've seen amazing ones. I, I just recently remembered in in Top Secret, there's an amazing one. When it's done right, it's so good. Like, 
yeah, cool. He's he's playing around with a sword once, and and just it, it's it's lazy the way that they set that up. We think back to Tremors, and it's like the the, the cooler, the 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 drink cooler in the general store mm-hmm. that coming back being an issue later on. I was watching Top Secret last night, a throwaway scene where you know the German uh, SS officer gets off of his motorcycle and ties it to a post like it's a horse, and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then later in the movie, Val Kilmer comes outside and lets all the motorcycles go, and they all they all drive off. <laughs> Amazing. There's master classes in payoffs from from a setup, and and this is definitely this is not it. This is the laziest form I could think of. I can only sum this up as being wholly forgettable. Oh, absolutely. Like, like I said, I just started watching it and didn't realize that I had seen it before until like a certain point. Because I'm guessing Eugene Levy. That's, I'm sure, what shook it loose Dude, Eugene Levy's like an anchor in this movie. You can only tell where things happen because he's in the scene. Holy crap, you just <laughs> you just completely blew this open for me. He's like a pinpoint in, in this timeline. Eugene Levy argues with Jeffrey Jones and gets kicked out. Eugene Levy shows up in North Overexposure. Eugene Levy shows up in the, in the Middle Ages. Holy crap. <laughs> if you didn't say that, I wouldn't even... Wow. Wow. No. Just wow. Yeah, mostly forgettable <laughs> film, but you know what really made me angry about this movie, and this is going to be stupid. They did that dog dirty. They did. I was just going to say the dog, that dog is so never happy wanted, and wants never to play. Never once mm-hmm. wanted to attack those people. That dog just wanted to play. I mean, there's a lot of crap going on in that backyard. The ADR is awful. <laughs> oh, can we, can we talk about <laughs> that, boy. too? Like, the biggest big bad in this movie isn't even Satan's emissaries. It isn't even a failing like marriage. The biggest villain in this movie is a satellite dish that nobody takes seriously. <laughs> when they get zapped back and they're standing in the yard and they start to slowly walk back into their house, I would be sprinting my ass off to try to get away from the thing that just seems to randomly <laughs> suck whatever it pleases into this hellish television world at any given time. Like that thing just kicks off and just sucks crap into it. That's the real threat. she hit it with a shovel. She fucked it up. Uh, I guess, be. yeah. I guess. She hit it on a piece of metal that doesn't have any electronics on it or anything, so I guess it's a sentient satellite dish that's just pissed off that it got hit by a shovel. Because <laughs> there's <laughs> giant hellish mushroom that, no just, electronics that there. looked like a satellite dish. And, and maybe it has a hunger level, too, because it, it, it eats enough to be satiated. Like, it, it devours a bike and a hat. And then that's good enough. I won't keep trying for the kid that's still out in the yard. Or his sister who comes out after ingesting the bike. Yep. I, I won't suck the family up again that's walking inside the house slowly and not even looking at me. Oh, here comes a dog? Oh, yeah. Taking that out of the air. It makes no sense. Or any of the daughter's friends when they're out practicing for yeah. cheer squad? <laughs> uh, hope, hopefully it sucked up the uh, kissing tapes of his sister. Oh, God. He was, th- he was trying to sell her kissing tapes at the start of the movie mm-hmm. and hijack the neighborhood TV so he could do so. <sighs> like, yeah, he's a, he's a super genius with TV and ends up doing terrible things with it. Uh, you could probably see some sort of parallel with that and current day tech geniuses. Yeah, there was, there was a big problem I had with that whole segment too. It's like the, the overused, overextended trope of kid who tears apart a bunch of random electronics and just pastes a bunch of random electronics all over the place saves the day. If I turn enough knobs and move enough levers, everything will fix itself randomly. Oh, we need more power? I'm just gonna go steal it from the neighbor's yard, because that'll be enough. Infinite monkeys, infinite typewriters. <laughs> infinite monkeys, <laughs> Yeah. That kid also, to me, looked like uh, what Kazoo Kid would look like oh. a little bit older. 
Good call. Who is his actor? I don't, I don't think any of us cared. <laughs> <laughs> we saw John Ritter and Eugene Levy and moved on. Now we've hit on all the things I don't like about this movie. The rest of it's incredibly forgettable. It really is. And the entire drawn out ending segment between him switching to different things while his wife's got a train barreling towards her. There's no way in hell. Oh, yeah. There's just no way in hell. He, he right. spent like an hour's worth of time, if not more, in different things. And that train was so But there close. is way in hell. It is in hell. True, true, true. Andy, as you said earlier, uh, I think people would be... Uh, I guess this goes into uh, would I recommend it to people? And it's going to say no. I think... If someone is interested in this kind of concept, I would first point them to, and this is, I'm saying it because it's these episodes by themselves, but the, as you said before, Andrew, uh, interdimensional cable Mm -hmm. does the concept so much better, so much funnier, and it's complete improv. There's an episode of Supernatural that does this, and it does it way better. I've never watched Supernatural, so... This is a trope movie of tropes. That's what it is. Because TV series does this whole gag. Once you've... you've Like, the TV series has, like, five-plus seasons, you get an episode that is like this movie. So you're saying this movie is... should have been called Jump the Shark. <laughs> yeah. Where they literally jump the shark by having John Ritter... In Three's a Company. I mean, that's, yeah, that's... They really went for it. Nuke the fridge. Ah, nuke the fridge. Nuke the fridge still makes me sad. I I mean, does it hold up? I'm going to say no. I think society's moved on so far that a lot of the things that the humor's based on isn't relevant and or funny. I don't think younger people are going to get three quarters of the jokes. I... Yeah. Ah. It's it's niche. It's very niche. I I don't think it's. It's definitely a movie of its time, and it more than happy to leave it. Yeah. leave it in that time. Yep. Hell, I understand most of the the jokes, and it just it just didn't do anything. It was eh. maybe because all the jokes are too far removed from when they were relevant. It could maybe, but also I just don't think it was all that well written. No, I feel like this is a movie that could be remade if we had the right set of producers and directors and actors in it and it could be funny and entertaining like this this was this was funny in certain funny and entertaining in certain spurts but the in-between was just such a detractor Mm -hmm. i want to say that this is just a popcorn film that does not want you to take it at anything more than face value. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, if you're going to watch it, my, I mean, very few people other than what, wh- who suggested this? <laughs> uh, a listener suggested this. No names. Uh, I mean, you know, it. I, we're sorry. He, this listener likes this film. I don't know. By it's, all means, like it. Or like it's it. it's nostalgia for them. Which I could get it. I could get that this could hit you at the right point in time oh. in history and it gets socketed into your nostalgia. For sure. We all, we all have those movies. I love Congo. Everyone I know hates Congo. Congo came out when I was a kid. Congo was adventure. It was action. It was just after, you know, Jurassic Park and everything else. And I love the movie. I still love the movie. I know it has faults. I know it has issues, but everyone else I know who has seen Congo hates it with, a, with an unbridled passion. So... I get it. Yeah, I get I mean, it. Batman and Robin is my favorite Batman. I cannot wait to bring certain movies up with you guys that are not great 
but I love. Yep. We got to do them this year. You know what is a good movie that I love that we haven't done yet? 1992. Oh, it was 92, just like this movie. 1992 Disney classic Newsies. Oh, God. I fucking hate Newsies. <laughs> You're obsessed with Well, Newsies. we also still need to watch Escape from L.A. Never. Oh, yeah. Just so, that, will, just so that Dan can cry. I will quit. Cry. I will quit this show. <laughs> you don't know how good it is. How bad it is. How good bad. No. Bad good. The amount of, like, bile that I get in my mouth when you bring up Escape from New York, I would not survive the heartburn of but I ha- Escape from But I have from a LA. t-shirt now. That's fine. You can have your you can have your t-shirt, but no, <laughs> absolutely not. I am not Do putting myself through that. Do you know how excited I was? I made, it a, I made it a point to only buy XL t-shirts because I didn't realize that was a thing. And I'm six foot four and I've spent my whole life buying XL and always having shorts be too short. Or shirts be too short. And it's always driven me nuts. I didn't even realize there's this whole world of XLT. The problem with that is, is it's always like basic designs or really popular like companies. So like Disney, obviously, yeah, you can buy a million Star Wars shirts in XLT, but I don't really want Star Wars shirts. So like finding things that are specific that I like in XLT has been a challenge. So when I saw that there was an Escape from New York shirt, dude, it was, it was my life. The big difference between New York <laughs> and LA is New York tried to take itself real serious. Massive quality difference. LA is like... I don't even know what the hell went wrong with L.A. <laughs> Nothing went wrong with L.A. It's just a piece of cinematic history. Oh, shut the hell up. It is not a good movie. It is a terrible, terrible film. Did I say it was a good movie? I said it was a cinematic history. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is cinematic It happened history. in cinema. <laughs> yep, it is, it is a film that happened. We can acknowledge that it happened and it exists. Just like this film. Yeah. So that was us switching the channels until we find something moderately funny by watching Watching. Stay tuned. If you like the show and you want to keep listening, subscribe, encourage others to do the same thing, I guess. It's cool. We'll be here anyway. This is a hobby. And in fact, next month, we'll be back with Kiki's Delivery Service, bringing back the animation. <laughs> Come back next time. When we rewind again. You know how bad this movie is? It was was good and solid. What more did you need to say about it? This movie is so bad that the child in the movie who's turning on the TV to watch this movie turned it off after skipping through a few channels because it was so bad. That's very true. (laughs) Also, Murray, did he go into the the thing as soon as the movie started? Or did they wait for a while and watch TV and get sucked in like good people? (laughs) Like good people. How fast did they get the uh, satellite dish installed? Did they get a satellite dishes? So many unanswered like, questions. I don't know what the fuck happened with Murray. He died. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, obviously he died. He got shot. His wife got stomped on by Godzilla or giant lizard monster because they didn't have rights to say Godzilla. <sighs> yeah. The questions.